Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quick sound check. Cell shocks. RGC. Didsbury Talk H Rugby Club. Perfect. Hello and welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, on one of the most monumental weeks in rugby history. Not only are the fixtures out, not only are the boys all back in pre-season, but the Northern Hemisphere can hold its head up high after this weekend's monumental events in New Zealand. But I won't be talking about this alone because to my side is a man who's just driven five hours from the land of no lions, Scotland, it's Phil. <laughs> Hello, Jonathan. And down the line, in the shipping container, presumably talking about, is it deliberate or is it not deliberate offside? It's Tim. Hello, Timothy. Yes, I was uh, very much in Roman Poit's ear uh, from the <laughs> Egg Chasers TMO shipping container. Did, did you do you think you have much, you had much influence on his decision, Tim, from the shipping container? He had, he had a knife well, to his throat. <laughs> well, we uh, we had a chat, did Roman and myself, and we both agreed that his original decision was correct. And then he he, he went rogue and did his own thing. But before we, before we get into any rugby, um, I think we should point out, bearing in mind that we've been doing this for for three years and we never stop and never miss anything. This was the biggest rugby event since we've been doing the podcast yeah and wh- where were you for 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 the rugby jb i was in the rather glorious windermere rugby club which ranks among one of the most beautiful rugby clubs i have ever been to and not only was it a beautiful setting it had a real kind of like village feel to it at, at one point two coppers came in to watch the game two coppers oh, i love it did they have a beer they didn't because, do you know, it's actually illegal to serve a policeman in uniform, or policewoman for that matter, a uh, an alcoholic beverage if they're in uniform. Wow. But my, uh, that's, that sounds fantastic. It but, was really but, good. But you... And also met a, a listener of the show. So uh, hello, hello to Simon, yeah. Uh, but did you, but you organised, this was very hastily arranged, this wasn't planned, because what did you arrange for the weekend of the biggest rugby event since we've been doing the podcast? What did I? What did I arrange? I mean, as in, like, what? 
where should I have been? I mean, I should have been no. here. No, I'll tell you what happened. I should have been here, right? But my wife has a very cunning way of dealing with me, which is to lie. It's a lie through her teeth <laughs> about where we are going, what we should be doing. For her sister's 30th, she told me, oh, we'll just nip up for the day. And then it was, oh, we're there for a night. And then it was, it's there for two nights. And then I'm thinking, well, which nights are these? Because it can't be Friday night, surely, because Lions is in the morning, which you well know of. And Sunday night, I mean, I would fly back if I was in Rio de Janeiro to get back <laughs> on Sunday nights. Because that's what we do on Sunday nights. <laughs> so, yeah, I was in the lakes. Is that the answer you wanted? No, no, I, no, I, I like it. It's just, it's just quite funny how committed we are, and we are genuinely, <laughs> genuinely committed. And we have made sacrifices so many times, and we've found ways to do the podcast. And we found we all, we all found ourselves in slightly compromising positions on the on the event of the biggest match. I know, ever. I know. We, um, we did. Well, I mean, Phil's just had a five and a half hour drive to get here. Exactly, worth it. that's the sort of commitment we're talking about. Definitely worth it. It was a it's a hell of a drive. So I know. Why don't we just dive straight into the game? Give me your initial reactions, Tim. In fact, in fact, where did you watch the game? Because I've not even asked. Well, no, I was I was at my in-laws for the weekend. Ah, nice. In L- Lambourne, the, the Valley of the Racehorse. So uh, yeah, I had the sound of horses being uh, being trotting down the road outside as I uh, and the, and then shocked early. when they fell over awkwardly. oh man alive what a what a spectacle i mean it it was the the feelings before the game i could not be more hyped up and more excited and and sky sports oh my god they 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 hype these this event up like nobody's business these incredible montages of this epic music and that compared to the feeling immediately after full time when it was a kind of hollow empty what like nothing feeling of nothing i'm not sure if it's a feeling of nothing it was it was hard to kind of describe it, the whistle went and it's kind of like well that's that then yeah I, I i was actually quoted which i take back but i said at the time i would have preferred new zealand to win because at least we would have had would have had closure on the situation it felt so hollow yeah it, i was, don't know i I mean, a loss would have been sickening. Yeah, I, I, I definitely take that back. But that was my initial reaction: was that's it? Like, as in, there is no more, and it's just undecided. But it's I mean, just left empty. Uh, but that could have been like that could have been like anything, because it was such a big match. Even if they'd won after that final whistle, it'd have been like, do you know, like after the World Cup final, it's like, well, that's that. Then there'll be no more of this. Like, like you feel every, like after every Super Bowl. <laughs> when you've got eight months yeah. to the next one. Oh yeah, so true. So uh, you let's... are you are right, and it is it's such a big gap now uh, comparatively. Mm. I mean, we've had this kind of orgy of rugby from well, you just have the, the start of the start of last season. This has been such an incredible season. Both the well, the Avicii, the Autumn Internationals, the Champions Cup, Six Nations, and then going into a Lions tour. We just had sep- September from September last year, wall to wall rugby, and now we've got kind of six weeks where there's very little. Yeah. Um, well, we'll think of some, we'll think of something to do. But in the meantime, just give me your initial reaction, Tim, to how the Lions played, how you saw this game panning out. 
Well, I saw the game panning out thinking New Zealand won't make the same errors they made in the second test. Bowden Barrett can't have another day that bad with the boot. Uh, and all being well, the the pressure would tell from New Zealand. And if you if you took away the moments where points were scored and you just and you just said to someone, sit down and watch that. I've removed the moments where tries and penalties were scored. Guess what the score is? I would have guessed New Zealand hammered the Lions. Well, they were. Well, yeah, no, it would. They butchered. They completely butchered chances galore. Yeah, yeah, three or four. Is it finally time to put to bed this notion that New Zealand are clinical skills? Blah blah blah. Yada yada yada. Because they they bottled it. I mean, from what I can tell, they should have won that game by twelve. To twenty, anywhere yeah. between twelve and twenty points. Two, they should have won that by two clear scores. Yeah, it was. It, they would. I don't know what happened. I mean, whether they just just blinked, whether they found the occasion too big for them, whether they just can't handle. It wasn't impressive. There were there were elements that were impressive, but it was the finish and it was that clinical edge that we laud the All Blacks for. We all, we lord yeah. New Zealand for, and it was missing. Now I don't mean I don't wish to make it all about me, but um, <laughs> at the start of this tour, I mean I think after the Blues game, I was saying, well, where is this clinical edge? This tour has been characterised by mistakes by New Zealand teams continually, whether that be in the in the in the second test or Audi Surveyor dropping the ball for what I could see was a certain try. Audi Surveyor. Julian Savia. Julian Savia, thank you. Julian Savia in, in, in the first five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that first quarter. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to argue with that, JB. To be honest, it's it really hard to argue. And I mean, I I think, like I, I think if, if if you listen back to the predictions before uh, with last week's podcast, I think kind of you, you'd you'd be hard pressed to say say Phil and I weren't wrong. In, in the sense that New Zealand will apply massive pressure, they will play all the rugby, they they'll create chances. They just, as you say, they they kind of bottled it. The top two inches weren't yeah. there. That said, you have to you have to do what we've done all tour and massively uh, credit Andy Farrell and the defensive performance because it was brutal, absolutely brutal. It was, and isn't it funny that the one time that the All Blacks beat the Lions, they did not play like the All Blacks at all. They they played that one out rugby. Yeah, and we never Gatlin saw it ball. again. Gatlin ball. It was. It, it's been a really bizarre bizarre test. I will say this though, I think the Lions have done New Zealand a huge favour because New Zealand have been forced to blood some players, and yes, we did draw with them. You know, we did cobble together a team which drew with what some people consider not just the best rugby team of all time, but one of the best sports teams of all time. Oh, statistically, there's a huge argument to say they are the the best international sports team of all time. Yeah, which is quite which is quite something. But I think they're going to kick on and become even greater now, because they've got the likes of Jordi Barrett, they've got uh, Lau Mapu, they've got these lads who they didn't intend to blood, and they were fo- their hand was forced, and they're probably in a stronger position now than they were at the start of the series. And and they've been tested in a way that they've not been tested before. Yeah, because because no individual nation would be able to put a defensive effort that the Lions have put in, in maybe, that, that period. Maybe England, maybe Ireland, but not for three tests. Yeah, oh, no Maybe chance. on a one-off. Yeah. Um, God help South Africa and God help Australia. <laughs> Australia and Argentina. Yeah. 
That was a that draw drawn series was easily, and I would argue almost inf- no, not infinitely. Obviously, that's statistically <laughs> ridiculous thing to say, but it, you know, you know what I mean when I say it as as a figure of speech. That was an infinitely more successful tour than the Australia one. Yes, because the the caliber of the team that you're playing is yeah. so much yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, you say that the. All Blacks' victory felt hollow. In a way, so did the Australia one, because they just weren't very good. I mean, that's what we learned from Australia. And I will say this. There was something kind of romantic about two of the greatest players of a generation sharing that trophy. It just... The pictures just looked right. Yeah. Did you see the pi- that? The pictures are ones that we that will look amazing in years to come. And even, even the next day, even on yesterday, well, Saturday morning when we watched it, yesterday morning, it just looked fantastic. And I remember thinking, that's kind of going to be an iconic shot. Yeah, yeah. The, the dual team shot where there's 30, yeah. 40 blokes all kind of alternated ch- chatting to the bloke next oh, it's to them. incredible, isn't it? Who's in the opposite coloured shirt. I've got to say, um, now, uh, as the tour has gone on, I, I have fallen deeper and deeper in love with Kieran Reid. Oh, <laughs> my God, yeah. What a guy. Um, yeah. And I'm pretty certain now, I'm pretty certain I know what's going on. I th- in fact, I'm certain, what, I'm certain I know what's going on with both him and Sam Warburton, which is both the coaches get up to such shenanigans, they pick a captain of such probity, they can basically <laughs> get away with whatever they want in the meantime, whether it be Gatland with his nose or Steve Hansen continually putting his boot into anyone he feels like. Yeah. Uh, but my favourite my favorite part of the test was where Kieran Reid was certain that he, that he had a penalty. Yeah. He turns around, he taps Sam Warburton on the arse, and he says something nice and sporting, like, hey, it's sport, mate, you know. This is rugby. This is rugby, whatever it was. And the ref goes... It's a scrum. Uh, uh, no, mate, mate, <laughs> uh, 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 sir. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see just so in the lead up to that? So Roman Poit was away. Oh, I'm going op- to suggest we park this for the time being because we could go down a rabbit hole and let's talk about all the brilliant stuff. <laughs> well, first. It, it was without getting into the detail of the actual decision. Yeah, okay. Roman Poit was just on the on the sideline talking to the TMO, and both the captains were miles away. And Sam Warburton sidles up to Roman Poir. And then you see Kieran Reid like ambling into shot. <laughs> and he the way that watch it again, the way that Kieran Reid he slowly starts to have a conversation with Sam Warburton. Then as Roman Poir turns, Kieran Reid turns and like blocks Sam Warburton out. <laughs> he like guides him out of the way. It's like the the best bouncer, like casually or the best bodyguard casually yeah. turning someone away. Do, it's brilliant. Do you, know what, do you know what struck me about that shot of those two men together? How similar that they're, that they're built. Uh, yeah, I, I was actually so I thought Kieran Reid was quite a bit bigger than Sam Warburton. Yeah, I did as well. They're, they're both very similarly proportioned. Like very athletic 400 meter runners or something. Oh, very very heavy set 400 meter exactly, runners. Exactly, yeah. But they've got these kind of broad... Deca- decathletes, maybe decathletes. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're very, both extremely athletic. But you know, I'm not telling you anything you couldn't find out yourself there. I guess. So, so Tim, best moments. Then you you said let's talk about some of the positive best moments of that test. Oh my word! There was uh, there was an amazing hit put in by Johnny Sexton on uh, Kano on Kano yeah, yeah. Was, oh yes yeah, yes that. Uh, th- I mean that just kind of epitomised that you had the this you know 12 stone wet um, <laughs> wet through not wet fly, fl- wet through yeah 12 stone wet through uh, fly half 
just putting himself about um, and smashing Kano. And also, oh, Savia, the way he ran over the top of Liam Williams. Liam Williams. It was a beautiful moment. I can't believe Williams just bounced straight up after that and, yeah, and got, back, got back into position. I think my favourite bit of skill from the game must have been Anton Leonard Brown's pass for, for the try. I thought that was glorious. If you after watch- yeah. the offload from Lau Mappi, yeah. to, straight to Leonard Brown and then that pass. Yeah, he, he just whips it. And it's... It's not the hardest pass in the world, but it has to be. It has. It has to be pretty spot on, and he's got like a line in front of him and a line behind him. Uh, it was. It, it was a nice. It was a nice bit of skill. That's what I say. Barrett did not have to break stride as well. Yeah, it was the perfect. So he was going full tilt, perfectly into the bread basket, and he could just glide in. Are we in danger, right? Of because it's such a huge game, saying, "Oh, it was glorious," because. Let's just for a second. We spoke about our favourite bits of the game. Which are the, which thing will characterise it as some of the biggest errors of the game? Because there's quite a few to choose from. So, his kicking was magnificent. Uh, his kicking off the tee was magnificent. But Owen Farrell did not have a great game. No, he didn't, did he? He threw, no, he didn't. He threw a few loose passes. He oh, missed the interception. Yeah, the interception when it was it was try time. Yeah, if that. If it's not a missed pass, if you just go hands or you, someone crashes it through, it's it's try you five meters and you've worked for forty fifty meters. So there, there was that. There was the kick when it, the ball kind of bounced up to him and he tried a, a kick through the middle of the rook and kick fresh air yep. er, early in the first half, and just a number of the the tap and go. When that was the that was the one I was thinking the, of the penalty kick, the tap and go, and he passes it. Like behind Watson, because the idea there down. is phenomenal. Yeah, I thought it was a great decision. We, when was the last time you saw you saw anyone catch New Zealand napping? No, hardly ever. Yeah, and so they, yeah, but just they couldn't execute the basics. And that is oh, Farrell. And he, Farrell and he, he, sorry, go on, Phil. I just gonna say Farrell is a magnificent player. He did not have a good game, but his his kicking is actually. Uh, led led to the draw, so I, I, I don't want to go too hard on him. And conversely, Bowden Barrett, uh, majestic out of hand quite often. Yeah. Um, and, and with his crossfield kicks and stuff. But yeah. what if if he could? If New Zealand had had a goal kicker, they'd have won three nil. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Correct. You've got to assume, haven't you? He just doesn't practice. <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. He mustn't because everything he does is so perfect. His running's perfect. His distribution's perfect. His kicking out of hand is sublime. Yeah. And yet he can't kick a ball straight. Come on. There's something going on here. I, I did think it was interesting that they didn't use Geordie Barrett to kick. Yeah. And, and I know it's his first start and it's by by miles the biggest profile game he will have ever have played in. Mm. Um, but he kicks ahead of Bowden Barrett for the Canes. Yeah. And I- his percentages aren't that much better. But they are better, and they're certainly better than fifty percent, which was what Bowden Barrett got in that test. Yeah, uh, I don't know what the answer is to this, unless I mean, way maybe he just prioritizes different things to everyone else, and maybe he'll get away with it. But it's hard to say he's going to be one of the all-time great tens, which I think he could be if he can't kick sticks, because well, you're going to have to get someone else to carry him. Yeah, if you're going to compare him to Carter and Wilkinson. Yeah, who are the two greats, and they are phenomenal kickers. Do you know who we might be compared to most of all when it's all said and done? Uh, someone like 
Spencer. Yeah, Carlos, that's exactly. Who Carlos I'm Spencer. Carlos Spencer. Or I tell you another guy who you could be compared to who doesn't kick or never kick the sticks is Stephen Larkham. Yeah. So I guess you can do it, but it'd be rare. Yes. Uh, well, isn't it amazing that the the two best players on the field? Uh, I mean, uh, there were lots of players that had strong games, but the two youngest guys from each team. Yes. It is. Jordi Barrett and Maru Itoji were just incredible. Oh, Maru Itoji had some kind of. He had some moments where it looked like he'd eaten one of those Mario mushrooms. <laughs> or, or, like, grabbed a little star. Because he, he, he just went off on one. And he like, just kept on popping up with the ball. Yeah. Like, New Zealand are attacking, and then all of a sudden, Maru is rampaging in the opposite direction. He was uh, he was quite the force of nature. Did he, did he score higher than four? The, uh, the, uh, this week, <laughs> uh, no, four point five. Nice, New Zealand Herald. Yeah. So I, um, I've been thinking right about this four business. Sorry to interrupt you, Tim. Um, no, sorry. Right. This four business, right? Do you know on golf clubs when someone hits a ball, everyone shouts four. Yeah. I think that should be the Mario, the Mario, Mario Atoji thing though. Every time he has a ball, everyone should shout four. Four. four! <laughs> <laughs> or four is now the new eleven yeah. From, yeah. from Spinal Tap. <laughs> <laughs> It goes one, one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and four. then then four. I, I actually, the, the highest possible score. I I actually think that's not a bad shout. <laughs> no, it's, I like it. Four I, is now like the it. now the highest number, and also we should shout it every time Mario gets a ball. Four. Perf- I like it. Perfect. I like it. Uh, Mario little fact: he has still maintained the fact he has never been beaten by New Zealand at any 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 age level. Wow! Did he not get beaten in the first test? Not to no, he, he didn't play. He, which look at look at that decision. That, that's probably Jones. one of the biggest it takeaways from Test Two and Three is how the hell was Marutoji not picked to start Test One? Yeah, do you know what? Even though um, he has proved himself to be the guy, the guy to pick, I think they made the right decision in the first test, judging on past form and you know tour experience so far and i also think he was on the bench to lift spirits when he came when he came off sorry when he came on when he came on that, that's the only thing i can think of really because you're right test two and test three he was outstanding yeah that is a good point actually did he come on and he must have come on in that first test yeah i'm sure he did he did didn't he yeah he did yeah and he, and he played really and he made a massive difference when he came on in test one hmm yeah so he, he the guys the guy is every bit living up to the hype which has been massive surrounding him he is just a an absolute superstar yeah soon to be rugby's highest highest paid player allegedly really mm. that's interesting because i would imagine second rules are not on the list of highest paid players in, on average i also imagine that's partly to do with when they tot up uh, sponsorship deals of which he has some very lucrative ones Yes. Adidas, for example. Exactly. Adidas. Uh, he does. It's either Maxi Muscle or My Protein or one of one of those things. They'll, they'll be cursing for me saying it's one of those. Yeah. One uh, of those. <laughs> Let's put it this way: he's not going to be struggling he, for cash. Uh, hemo he? rage. Hemo rage. Yeah, he's a big proponent of hemo rage. Well, okay. So we know we know that some of the players have now achieved legendary status or well on their way. Mario Toji yep. being lead among them. What about Warren Gatlin's role in all this? Good question. He he, obviously in my mind he comes out of this with a lot of credit. And I, I was chatting to uh, a proud Englishman last week who was cursing Gatland and saying he's got everything wrong. No. I'm saying you 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 have got this all wrong. Gatland 
has done he made an error with the geography six everyone is aware of that but that is forgotten now that is completely forgotten yeah i mean it could could have gone so wrong for him couldn't it this could have been one of yeah. the worst tests test series in history for the lions it really had that kind of feel to it because you know if the all blacks had executed better they might have won every game by more than 15 points. Yeah. The, the Geography 6 would have been to blame. The Hurricanes, Hurricanes game would have lived in the memory as one of the all-time epic sporting disasters. Yeah. You know, all these things kind of tot up. But ultimately, Warren Gatlin is the highest paid coach in the world for a good... Or sorry, highest paid rugby coach in the world for a good reason. Yeah. And uh, that's because he knows what he's doing. Do he, uh, you, you, he's, what, he's won a test series and drawn a test series... Uh, du- during an era in which there were questions put over the whole viability of the Lions as a concept in the professional age, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, he's done phenomenally. I mean, and when you look at his CV in general, he's got Heineken Cups, he's got Premierships, he's got two Grand Slams, he's got a World Cup semi-final, he's got a Lions win, he's got a Lions draw. That is quite phenomenal, and yet. I have a feeling when he returns to these shores and when he takes over Wales for the Six Nations, he will be back to same old Warren, and everyone will be back to same old criticising Warren. So it's just the it's just the nature of the beast, I think. Well, I, I think I think actually what you saw perhaps from Warren Gatland that maybe we haven't seen quite as much of as some people would have liked in recent years is an acknowledgement of maybe doing the wrong thing and adjusting it so the difference between the the difference between the team and the performance and the mm. style of play between test 1 and then the second two the 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 second and third tests the Johnny Sexton Owen Farrell that was never happening it only had you know it hardly happened before it was never going to happen and he he rolled the dice and changed it he was going to stick with Lee Halfpenny and we were all talking and all the smart money was that he's just going to pick Lee Halfpenny for the for all the tests he did didn't work out I mean he changed it tell you what I'm... often Warren Gatland of the past would have continued doing the same thing I dis- I disagree mate I I've always said this about him I've said it continually he's a pragmatist he'll play what he has and he'll get the most out of the system, or he'll apply a system to whatever players he has in order to get them, get the most out of him. I think that's why. Well, well no, but he there. he could pick any oh, with, with with this squad. He could pick any system and any combinations. Not really. He could he could he could pick players to to pick any any system. But so what? I'm actually paying him a compliment. I'm mm. saying the the Gatlin ball style, the, the 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 classic Welsh approach with the the the, the two big centres and the. And 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 a pragmatic back three, um, wasn't wasn't right for this. And well, he, and he uh, changed it and it worked. Just leading on from that, would you not have preferred to see Lee Halfpenny this weekend? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, uh, Liam Williams didn't cover himself in glory exactly. It's it's because there was talk of him. Well, there was certainly questions over his fitness going into this test. Yeah, he didn't have a great game. No. Uh, but it's amazing what a break two games ago can do for your career. <laughs> the the break that led to one of the best tries of all time. <laughs> that normally yeah. works out quite positively, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, generally speaking. <laughs> so can we say the Lions concept is not dead? Well, absolutely not. And now, after this one, the the sponsorship and the funding of it is all up for grabs again. The, the current deal ended. And the current deal hasn't favoured the home unions, and it's been a massive 
financial boost for the host nation mm. that that is all going to change it's going to it's a massive money spinner and that will be reflected in the deals going forward yeah so Excellent. it's going from 10 games to 8 games isn't it that's the is is that confirmed i think so i think that's pretty certain i i agree with that i've seen well the the question comes down to how big a squad do you take because you can you can play you could play 100 games if you had a 2000 man squad yeah, do you know what? I think it's not about the number of games, it's the quality of games. So, does anyone get anything out of playing the Barbarians when they land? Uh, the Provincial Barbarians, well, you get something, you get the first game together, and you get the plane journey out of your legs. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that if, say, every player's got one game to prove himself before it starts to get a bit more serious... If you happen to be picked for the Barbarians game, you're disorientated, you're jet-lagged, you, yeah. you kind of stumble off this plane, thrown into some kit, you don't know the calls, and you have a horror. It's it a does, waste of a game. In it fact, does it's more, the opposite. Yeah, it does more harm than good, potentially. So I'm not against it providing that maybe the midweek games should, should go, or maybe they should do something a little bit more creative. They should definitely have no midweek games between tests and yeah. no the week before a test. Yeah, no, definitely none between the tests. But... Uh, I think we're unanimous oh. then. Uh, Lions can work and has to stay alive and kicking, yep. oh, definitely. I just, I just want to make a couple of observations uh, from watching the game. Yes, please uh, do. One, do you not just sense a slight, uh, slight Scott Quinnell dance monkey dance scenario where you can imagine him having a conversation with, you know, maybe the director in his ear, please boss, can I do some like, just like a, a hard, you know, hardcore analysis here. No. <laughs> give it, give us a hype speech now. <laughs> and do you reckon Will is standing behind him with a cattle prod? <laughs> more emotion. <laughs> mean it more. Well, on the subject of Will, did you see the interview with James Haskell after the full-time whistle? No, I didn't. Uh, Will, I, I, Will Greenwood <laughs> referred to him, and I believe that the actual caption when it came up with James Haskell's name also referred to him as the Archbishop of Banterbury. Oh wow! Oh wow! <laughs> I, I think mate, that has slightly jumped the shark now for me, but, I, and, and I don't think it was like Paul Ince tried to do it in football. He governor. tried to give, he, he gave himself the nickname the Governor. No, you shouldn't be able to give yourself a nickname. Yeah, I'm. I'm for the Archbishop of Banterbury. At the right time in the right place. So how? When's the wrong? When's the wrong time in the wrong place? So in a professional interview on Sky is the wrong time. In James Haskell's uh, Instagram, when him and Sean O'Brien are singing uh, yes. Irish farmer songs, great, happy with it. I love those love those Instagram videos. In a professional interview, in supposed to be a relatively formal scenario. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll well, it was it was the end of a tour. It was it was it, it was it was good crack. It was good crack, I guess. Uh, but the, my, one of my favourite bits: Kieran Reed's daughter put, opening her mouth to try and drink rain was a, was beautiful. <laughs> Did not see that, mate. Did not see he, that. He, he was he went up to Kevin Mialamu, a man who got hundred caps as well, handed Kieran Reed his hundredth cap cap. <laughs> and Kieran, Kieran Reed went up to collect it and do a speech, and his two daughters and his son and his wife were up on the stage with him. And one of his daughter, his youngest daughter, was running around the stage, opening her mouth up and drinking rain. <laughs> <laughs> it was outstanding. So, but I, I know we, we've we've credited Warren Gatland, but Steve Hansen has grown in my estimations massively through this tour as why? well. Why? 
because he and Kieran Reid, the way that they dealt with Saturday, proper classy men. I disagree. Uh, Kieran Reid, classy men, undoubtedly. Um, I, 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 I feel. I don't know. I, I don't think particularly much of Steve, Steve Hansen, truth be told. Yes, he's a good coach. Yes, he's developed this amazing All Blacks team. But you know what? So did Graham Henry. And do you know what? He keeps on adding these little jibes to people, whether it be aimed at uh, Michael Checker, whether it be aimed at Warren Gatlin. Um, he he just keeps on doing it. And it's nice to say, yeah, they were the better team on the day or we should have done this, or that, this, that, on the other. He just, he just continues. To me, he just continues to let himself down. Well, I think I think it was after that game. It would have been very easy for Steve Hansen to have to have made something of refereeing decisions. Yeah, and I think there were there were a few that went against him. And when you look at the the yeah. second two tests, I think you could say, you know, they definitely there was quite a few scenarios where it could have happened. And every time a journalist tried to get him tried to get him to bite, and they did lots and lots, <laughs> he 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 batted them all away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to me, that's, that's good. just good media training. But, yeah, I guess there is a point there. I think the bigger discussion point is, shall we talk about that refereeing decision? Well, yeah, I'll tell you what, before we get to that one, what did you think of the yellow card? Uh, yeah, um, mixed. Uh, it's one of those ones I don't want to be a yellow card, but it is a yellow card because Alan Wynne-Jones has been separated from his consciousness. So it's hard to argue, really. Um uh, I think so. Do you know what came to mind, Tim? What yeah. came to mind was the incident in the Premiership with, I think, Jeff Parlin being knocked out, and it was maybe long, not Longbottom, maybe it was Barrington. And yeah. It was a completely legal tackle, but because of the way Parling fell, he got knocked out severely, and Barrington got a red. So I, I can't, it kind of felt like, like, like that to me. It was a double tackle. Uh, the, the arm came up. Someone has been hit in the head with force is knocked out. I, I could honestly see it being a red. I'd like it to be just a penalty, but I could see it being a red. Tim? Yeah, yeah no, well, no, I, well, I, well, I disagree. And our, our friend of the pod, Jacques Berger, uh, mm. he, I, I thought he had a really good point, which is, and it, it, with that, this phrase, duty of care, if you run with your back horizontal to the ground and at waist height, it's your own duty. Then what do you expect? Yeah. So it's kind of as a player, you take if you take the decision to dip and put your head at waist height when you run into contact, you may well get an arm. That's just playing rugby. Yeah. That's called rug. That's that's called rugby. Get on with it. Let the boys play. And I guess we know what a malicious swinging arm looks like, don't we? And I don't yep. think that qualifies as it. So that, no. so that I'd be happy for someone to say rugby incident. But I can equally yeah. see why it was yellow. Yeah, I'm probably in similar boat to you, Jay. Um, I, I, pro- I wasn't actually, I wasn't calling for it to be a yellow. Um, it was careless, but you probably make a good point, Tim, that when Jones carrying the ball at, at that height is also arguably a little bit careless. But with all with all that said, I'm okay with a yellow card because I can see how it's. I can see the consistency in the lawmaking. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I get that. Now, an interesting point off the back of that is there's something which has just been bubbling away under the surface, but I think we will hear about more this week. Alan Wynne-Jones was looked in a really bad way at the time of the contact. His eyes shut. Yep. And much like the George North scenario, he looked in a bad way. 
and he he could didn't appear to be able to see properly when he was walking off the field. He kept like um, twitching his eyes and he like screwing up his eyes, like he wasn't actually able to see properly. Um, within within he he was back on the field yeah. soon afterwards when Courtney Laws went down. It lo- it's not a good look. Yeah, um, I wasn't particularly happy with that because there is so. I was listening to the Lions team doctor just last week and he was talking about the protocols and there are scenarios if someone is knocked unconscious you override it don't you you don't even go through the HIA protocol so which there is some suggestion that that didn't happen Warren Gatland has come out and said he passed the HIA yeah but appara- but- apparently there's some controversy around they were still doing tests or something some 16 20 minutes afterwards when actually you only have 10 minutes to do it in so there's there's some protocol failings possibly yeah, and yeah. It, it was just a bad look do you know what one of the worst protocol failings is for this it's the various distances of the medical room from the pitch side which sounds like a completely inane thing to say but it puts tremendous pressure on the medical staff if you work for someone like for instance Leicester Tigers, where you've got to leave the stadium and go somewhere else to do the HIA. You've got 15 minutes to do it. Whereas Sale Sharks, for instance, can literally just pull their players off and you've been to the medical room there. Well, easy. Bloody hell, that's not going to help anyone when you've had a head head injury. No, what I'm saying... brain, Tim. Yeah, what I'm I'm saying is, um, just because of the length of time to get the player there and back, they will rush the HIA. They don't have enough time to actually administer it. Uh, no, yeah. I get that. I, I was I was clocked. You, you accidentally gave a bit of an innuendo. Ah, and, right. And, tr- and trust me to have spotted. Absolutely. <laughs> the innuendo dial was fully switched on. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, I think we'll hear something about that. But um, I, 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 players are always going to push themselves, especially guys like Alan Wynne-Jones are always going to oh. put themselves back in the fray if they have a sniff and a chance and it, that's yeah. why the protocols are brought in Did to I, take that decision out of their hands I know everyone thinks I'm an, I'm an arsehole for saying this I, I I just can't help but think that if you ask Alan Wynne-Jones when he had full you know full grasp of all his senses do you want to go back on he would have gone back on I, I don't like this idea that you just take it I mean, sometimes I get it like you know I don't want a player ruining his health and his career to get through an LV Cup game, but <laughs> it's the Lions, and I know you shouldn't get, shouldn't shouldn't think like this. And there's no such thing as a mild concussion, yada yada yada. But what would what would he think twenty years down the line? Uh, it depends if he can still think twenty years down yeah, the line. I, I don't know any of these guys that can't think twenty years down the line, and that can kind of be my point. So yeah, well yeah, it's interesting. Someone's got a Hippocratic oath, and uh, if there's anything to answer for. But anyway. It's not. It's not even necessarily a thing, but it's something that's bubbling under the surface. It'd be interesting to see if anything, if anything plays out. But anyway, let's talk about the referee's decision. Come on, let's get it done. Okay, so uh, the the final decision was scrummage to New Zealand for accidental offside. <laughs> kick off had kick, kick off had been taken. Now I would just say, if I was a New Zealander, or it, no, if this had been the other way around. This podcast would be like you. It would be ridiculous. People would be getting annoyed with how much I, maybe we, had gone on about how outrageous the decision was. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that that's probably fair to say. I, I, this has so many. This has so many crossovers, doesn't it, with Craig Joubert and his decision, Scotland, Australia. Yeah. 
And the problem with this decision is it's clearly wrong. Uh, it's wrong, not necessarily according to the law, but it's wrong according to how the law has been applied in the in the past and the precedents already set. So we know what this offence looks like. We know what the sanction is. Yet there is a way for this referee to get out of it, and that's exactly what he's done because he has applied the the right law. He's applied the well. Well, that's he can interpret. The no, he he hasn't. Yeah, that's the bit that I'm confused about because there is a way that he can get out of this. I'm not sure, having watched it back several times, exactly how he has articulated his thinking to get from where he was to where he is now. And there are ways you can do that, but I'm not sure Roman Poit uh, set out to Kieran Reid or anyone else indeed how he got from where he was to where he is. It appears that he bottled making a big decision. Yes, that's how it looks. <laughs> Definitely how it looks. So... Just give me a second, please. Uh, I'll just bring up the two laws. Yeah, I've I've got them in front. Oh yes, please. Can you can you read them then? So th- there's two laws. There's eleven point six and eleven point seven. Um, so eleven point six okay. is accidental offside. So eleven point six a, when an offside player cannot avoid being touched by the ball or by a teammate carrying it, the player is accidentally offside. If the player's team gains no advantage from this, play continues. If the player's team gains an advantage, a scrum is formed with the opposing team throwing the ball in. Yeah. So 11.6b, when a player hands the ball to a teammate in front of the first player, the receiver is offside. Unless the receiver is considered to be intentionally offside, in which case a penalty kick is awarded, the receiver is accidentally offside and a scrum is formed with the opposing team throwing the ball in. Yeah. So the, the problem with that is, yeah. that's 11.6. 11.7 offside after a knock on when a player which, no- is, which is what this was when a player knocks on and an offside teammate next plays the ball the offside player is liable to sanction if playing the ball prevented an opponent from gaining an advantage sanction penalty, penalty. kick was it a knock on that's the bit that i think Joubert had an out on now i've sorry Joubert. Uh, so i've watched this over and over again it, at first glance, it looks 100% like a knock-on. But Liam Williams falls a yard back from where he first touches it. And if yeah. you look at the 22 line, I think it is, it's not a clear and obvious knock-on. It is, at, at, uh, I want to say at best, it is flat. Yeah. So, so that is the way, if, I, if he if wanted to get out, he could have used it. If it's flat, it's not accidental either, is it? Well, no, because it, well, it's, it's not offside. Well, yeah, no, no, on. it's not a knock-on. So if it's not, if it's not a knock-on, eleven point six applies. In which case, the maximum sanction is a scrum. Hang on, if it's not a knock-on. No, if it's not, if it's not, if it's a flat pass, then it then doesn't matter where the player yeah. catches it. It's completely irrelevant, isn't it? Just play on. But he's off. He's in an offside position. Well, no, then that well, doesn't matter. You can't be off- Hang on, just let me get this right. You cannot be in an offside position, can you, if you're catching a flat ball or a backwards pass? No, you pass. can't. You, you can't. see what I mean? You, you can come back from an offside. The, you can come so, back from an offside position, but to actually receive that ball, you can't be offside. Uh, that's a good point. Correct. Correct. Now, Ke- here, Ken Owens's actions are are an interesting because Ken Owens thought he was offside. Yes, because most... he caught the ball and then as quick as he caught it, they tried to it, pretend sir. he hadn't. Yeah, it's clearly a penalty, isn't it? Uh, I mean, unless he's got it wrong in both ways, 
it's either a penalty because Canones is offside, or if he's not offside, then it's just play on. Yeah. Well, now this is this no, is interesting. No, Whichever no, way no. you look at it, and and again, I'm not. I, I think that there was a. Uh, uh, the issue I have mostly is that. Every way you look at it, and I think this is what we're all kind of in agreement on, whichever way you look at it, Roman Poit has had an absolute shocker because, firstly, he didn't play advantage, and yep. Anton Linnett Brown was through with the fullback to beat. Wasn't it Fekitoa? Two men on his shoulder. Fekitoa, was it? I thought, thought it was Brown. I thought it was Linnett Brown. Brown. Okay, anyone. He, he had two men on his shoulder, Fekitoa and Perinara, and he had one man to beat. Yeah, and the referee blew for a penalty. That's exactly what I said at said, said at the time. Uh, no advantage, um, Fakato or whoever it is, come back for the scrum, please. What? So uh, just uh, th- that's that's awful for starters. Just just so a definition of offside. Just to clarify this yep. this point. So at the start of the game, all players are onside. As the match progresses, players may find themselves in an offside position. Such players are then liable to be penalised until they become onside. Mm-hmm. In general play, a player is offside if the player is in front of a teammate who is carrying the ball yep. or in front of a teammate who last played the ball. In front of a teammate who like, like a kicker. So, well, so uh, Williams, Liam Williams was up in the air, he plays the ball, Ken Owens is in front of him, therefore he's offside. Yes, but Ken Owens has got to work his way back onside before he's part of the game. So the offside doesn't apply. I mean, no, the offside definitely applies. I'm not sure it does. So read, uh, listen to that definition again. Yeah, but it's or in, in front. I mean, players offside if he's in front of a teammate who last played the ball. So until yeah, but and, I think that I think that means in relation to a kick. I, I'm no, part no, of the JB here, no. and maybe we're splitting hairs. And someone can pick us up, or someone can some clarify this. But I think if a, it kind of is irrelevant if the pass is flat or backwards. No, it, no, it's it's not it's not irrelevant, but it means that the law was correctly applied. Uh, weirdly so he is in an offside position Liam Williams plays the ball yep. Ken Owens is an offside is offside onside un- well he's on- he's offside until he gets behind the ball yeah but he never gets behind the ball because he no. then plays he the ball he doesn't get behind the ball does he no because he plays the ball so it is okay. so it, it's law 11.6 definitely it's law 11.6 he play. He then plays this the ball, is, but the is, sanction right. is the sanction no, well, is a scrum. This, yeah, this is getting quite. This is getting quite complicated. So it's only that's only relevant if you if you say that it wasn't forwards. Correct. Now again, it's very very marginal whether it was forwards. It certainly looked forward, and the referee thought it was forward, called it forward, even when he explained, the, even when he went back to give a scrum, he was still saying forward off. Yeah. Off off red. Um, and the problem with and his, that... his explanation for not applying law eleven point seven was that it was it was it just hit Ken Owens. Yeah, clearly and... you can see Ken Owens caught the ball. Right. Yeah, so so he so Poit makes a big mistake there. You're you're quite right. And also there is there are acceptable uses of the TMO. So the reason he was able to use the TMO was because and it was challenge. it was dangerous play yeah. it, tackle in the air, which there wasn't. So he adjudicated on that, but he shouldn't have then used the TMO what, to adjudicate on the offside position. He should have gone with his original call. It, he's, I, had, he's had an absolute shocker. Agreed. It, if, if I ever get caught uh, throwing my other half into a wood chipper, right, and <laughs> I'm prevented from doing so, I want uh, Ro- Roman Poitz to <laughs> actually represent me in court. This is clearly a great legal mind. 
mean, how how quick do you need to be to think of the other sanction you need to review the decision you've made and then think of enough laws in order to reverse it in order to take the responsibility off your hands imagine being married to this man like how difficult winning arguments would be what was really bizarre though what was what was particularly bizarre was that having gone to the TMO, they ruled out, him and the TMO between them ruled out Kieran Reid. Some people would say, and Warren Gatlin said, it was should have been a penalty. No. I, dis- I disagree with that. I think, f- f- play, let the boys play, crack yeah, on. Fair but, challenge. Fair challenge, just go for it. But some people would disagree, but that's not the point. That He he said, fair challenge. Yeah. He'd gone to the TMO. He then said, the last thing he said before giving his decision was, to George Ayub, the TMO. So are we agreed then, George? <laughs> Sit a ball forward off of red, pl- uh, played by 16 red, penalty offside, TMO, yes. <laughs> yeah, I thought... I... He, he walked 10 metres and gave a scrum. Uh, do you know what? I know. I'm pretty sure that when he said that, it also followed with him ripping off his headset and stamping on it on, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, on the floor or dousing it in water. Sorry, George, what? can't hear you. Scrum. Um, and also, the, uh, what, who, who are we trying the, the, to kid? Who are we trying to kid here? Because, yes, we know it was a penalty. We all can kind of work out <laughs> it was a penalty. But it wouldn't have changed the game anyway because Kieran Reid would have called for a scrum because his fly offs. Bowden Barrett. <laughs> so we're all talking around in circles, and that's absolutely fine. It's nice to speculate, but he would have called for the scrum yeah. anyway. So anyway. Poit was just saving Bowden Barrett's blushes. Exactly right. Oh, exactly. that's so nice of him, actually. I hadn't thought of that. Ro- Roman recognises he is the greatest player on earth, and he didn't want his, his reputation to be tarnished. Exactly. Um, uh, there is some suggestion the New Zealand media, as you can imagine, are, are pretty. They're. Um, they're very interested in this and apparently the last thing you can hear Roman Poit say before he gives his decision is we Jerome so there's there's talk that the assistant referee Jerome Garces was in his ear saying something ah sneaky Jerome Garces so we 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 didn't have Scotland but we had France planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quinn's Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There we go. Excellent. Ah, right, well, that's the Lions covered off then. Uh, any, anyone got anything else to add about the Lions? I have got a little Lions quiz that oh, I've prepared. Oh, yes, please, Phil. Yes, Phil. Oh, just before we do that then, quickly. So we had, we had over a 1,000 people uh, just vote in a little poll and they made, they made player of the series... John Fox Davis with 46% of the vote. Yep. Uh, just ahead of Maru Itoji, 
player of the series with 37%. Do you are you are you happy with that? Yeah, I think so. Very very happy. Fo- Fox Davis. By the way, haven't the Welsh got an amazing record of player of the season? Player of the Yeah, fr- friend friend of the pod Bryn Williams tweeted that. I was mm. pretty amazed with that. So they've it's been a Welshman player of the series for the past 5, is it? Yeah, yeah. Tw- 20 years. Gibbs Quinell uh, Ryan... oh, Quinell was never player of the, si- the series, was he? That's uh, that's what we got tweeted. Gibbs Quinell, Ryan Jones, uh, Jamie Roberts, Lee Halfpenny, Fox Davis. So yeah, Fox uh, Fox Penny. Who who's Fox Penny? Um... <laughs> well, well, before we start calling him Fox Davis anymore, I have got a suggestion that we we call him JD too. I think now we should call him just JD. call him JD from now on on the podcast. No more JD two. Jonathan Davies is JD, and Jonathan Davies can be Jiffy. Or Jonathan Davies now, but Jonathan da- Jonathan Davis, the Scarlet Centre, who's been amazing in the last two Lions series, he is now. We are calling him JD. JD from now on, the original and best. Well done, yep. well, well done, JD. The biggest accolade we could possibly give you. <laughs> right, come on then, Phil. Let's get let's get this Lions quiz done. Let's, let's see who really is the the Lion King around here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> have you got pen and paper at the ready? Oh, close enough. JB, yeah. I, I can uh, adjudicate on you. Tim, I trust you. Why? Why is it Tim that you trust? Well, I would be watching Tim like a hawk now. <laughs> <laughs> right. First question. Go, go for it. Who is the first Lions replacement to be called up? Okay. So the, play, the player who was called up first. Got it. Um, second question. Who scored the Lions' second try on tour? Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Who received the Lions' first yellow card on tour? Ooh. <clears throat> okay. First or second, did you say? Oh, second try, first yellow card. Second try, first yellow card. They they were okay. both in the same game. I'll give you that clue. Okay. Question four. Uh, which member of the Lions touring party received an OBE for services to rugby in the Queen's birthday honours? Uh, okay. Mm. Okay. Are we? Next question. <laughs> In an interview after his two-try performance against the Chiefs, what did Jack Noel tell <laughs> Sky Sports his nickname was back home? No idea. He said, back in Exeter, they call me... something. Was it... Okay. Was it a slur? It wasn't a slur. Think, it's not. It's not like this. Well, it's not close to this. But imagine what Sam James would say if he said, "Back home, they call me." Ah. So it's it's not it's not the same as that. But that's it's that kind of thing, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I I remember him saying something though. Okay. Okay. Th- yeah. Three players. From the starting lineup for the first test, play for teams who did not make the knockout stages of the Avicii or the Pro 12. 
The knockout stages. So the this the semi-final or final. So three players from the starting lineup. They play for teams who did not did not make the st- the knockout stages of the Avicii or Pro 12 this starters. season. Definitely starters. 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 Sorry, say, say again, say again. Three players. Okay. Three players from the starting lineup for the first test play for teams. And the teams did not make the knockout stages of the Avicii or the Pro 12 this season. Which players were they? Hmm, good question. Um. Okay, I've got two. Uh, I've got two. Uh... Okay, yeah, I uh, think I've got the th- only three. Three, only three. Right, okay. All right. Happy, Jay? Yeah, very happy. <laughs> Nailed Okay, up. which two of the geography, geography Six actually got onto the pitch? Actually got some game time? Hmm. Every time I see Geography 6, I want to play that music from um, The, Ma- <laughs> the Magnificent Seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, go on. I think it's question eight. Where in the world did 2013 Lion Alex Cuthbert watch the second test? Oh, no idea. So, I want to know what city in the world he was in. Somewhere exotic, I'm guessing. Newport. And there is there is a story behind it as well. Okay. Mm, don't know. No, I Probably that the Gatland had said, be close by. <laughs> okay. okay. Question nine. Three questions to go. Which Kiwi played the Lions four times on tour? Okay. Okay. Question 10. After test two, what analogy did the All Black players use to say they were putting the last game behind them? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm going to do terribly at this. (laughs) And... Final question. Question 11. After test three, <laughs> what um, what simile did the All Blacks use to describe the draw? Yeah, got that one. <laughs> oh, dear. That's okay. someone texting JB the answer. Yeah. <laughs> right, Jay, can I, can I see your answers? Yeah, I don't have one for uh, Cuthbert, but everything else is there. Okay, Tim, I'm going to ask you to answer first, please. Yeah. So, first question, who's the first Lions replacement to be called up? James Haskell. JB? James Haskell. Incorrect. Who was it? Greg oh, Laidlaw. Laidlaw. Bloody hell. Was that before Billy Van Apolo got injured? It was, yeah. Oh, Yeah, rubbish. it was the Youngs stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, it was after the last game of the season for Leicester, for everyone else. Yeah. Um, number two, who scored the Lions' second try on tour? Was it Tim? Adam? Tim? 
I guessed Anthony Watson. Anthony Watson got the first try on tour. Was it Alan Wynne Jones? It was CJ Stander. Oh, I knew it was a forward. Damn it. And question three in the same game, who received the first yellow card? Tim? Ian Henderson. Liam Williams. Liam Williams is... It's just a standard belt. There you are. (laughs) Correct. One to JB, zero to Tim. Uh, Question four. Who received an OBE? Tim? Rory Best. Oh, wow. JB? I I believe Tim might have got this. I, I went with Neil Jenkins. Neil Jenkins. I don't have a, a incorrect. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Rory Best? One all. One all. Uh, <laughs> Jack Knoll's nickname. Tim, have you got anything? I just guess Captain Jack, but I don't know. <laughs> That's good. It's a good guess. Jay. Uh, the king. Uh, so he called himself in the interview. He said, yeah, back in Exeter, they call me the pick and go king. Oh, <laughs> I remember. Oh, what? <laughs> to which a load, a load, I think it was, um, what's his name? The scrum half, Hayden. Hayden Thomas. Hayden Thomas. It was him and maybe a few other um Exeter players were watching it in the Exeter clubhouse and they all they all Instagrammed the video of them like booing him when he said that. <laughs> uh, just so you know, my little ding time. Uh, Gareth Steenson on the rugby dungeon this week. Ding. 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 Exeter Chief. Ask him about his bar. Oh, I, I will do. Right. Uh, number six. The three players from the starting lineup who play for teams that did not make the knockout stage of the Avicii or the Pro 12. Okay. Well, the teams I thought were Ulster and Gloucester. So Greg Laidlaw, Ian Henderson, Rory Best. Sorry, this is from the first test? This is from the first test. So oh, I, I, was, I was thinking of... To- oh, oh, God. So, uh, <laughs> oh, I've completely awkward. balls up then. Uh, oh. T.O. Oh, hold on, Watson. hold on. Oh, hold on. Give me, give me a second. Give no, me a second. Tim, give me a second. Give me a Tim, second. Give me no. a second. That must be... No. See you, Falatau Watson. See you, Falatau Watson. You can't do it now. I've made it relevant. Three points uh, for JB. Three points for JB. <laughs> wow. Oh, <laughs> well, I just didn't. Oh, man. I was thinking about the bloody other questions. It's okay, Tim. It's okay. <laughs> JB it's over now. streaks into a, a 4 1 lead. Uh, right. Okay, Tim. Next question. Which two of the Geography Six actually got some game time? Dell and the Christian, whatever his face is, the hooker. It, it was Dell. Yeah. I don't have him down. I've got Davis and Russell. Uh, so you both get one point. It was Russell. Dell and Dell Russell. And Russell. Yeah. One point each. So yeah. five, five, two. Number eight. Where in the world did Alex Cuthbert watch the second test? Newport. New. <laughs> um. I'll say he stayed in Samoa. You'll you'll like this. Oh, go on then. The Cardiff Blues, it seems like quite a few of their teams, their team, travelled out to watch USA play Canada in the Rugby World Cup. Is that right? So, and the game was played in San Diego. For what reason did they do, do that? Just for uh, a laugh? Cam Dolan. Oh, wow. To go and watch their mate, Cam Dolan. That is cool. Beat Canada and qualify for the World Cup. And I guess they're all on holiday, aren't they? Because they all did Welsh 
cheesy. Yeah. Oh, nice. So it, quite a cool rugby story. Cam Dolan's is yeah. like a guy that I should interview. Yes. Good. <laughs> he, he, he must be relatively popular. Yeah, I think he definitely is in America. Huh. And obviously in, yeah, well, uh, in well, Cardiff as well. With his teammates. Yeah, yeah. Okay, number nine. Which Kiwi played the Lions four times on tour? Tim? Laumapi. Rico Ioni. Rico Ioni. Oh, oh is, it, yeah. is that how you say it? Well, either, either or. JB Ioani. streaks into a 6-2 lead. Right. Oh, I, well, whatever. Un- I, got, I definitely got the next one. Unassailable lead. Okay, after Test 2, what analogy did the All Blacks players use to say they were putting the game behind them? I don't know this, so I've guessed. Oh, I, did, I, did, oh, I didn't know that one. No, so I don't know this uh, one. I, I'm so. going to say they described it as putting... Um, that, that's tape in the bin. like sweeping the changing rooms or yeah (laughs) I'd never heard this phrase I don't know if you have (laughs) they said we're going to flush the toilet so to speak (laughs) (laughs) no I haven't I have heard the phrase obviously yeah it was an interview with Cody Taylor he said yeah we're in camp we're all going to flush the toilet so to speak I wonder if it's like one of those ritualistic things, you know, like when New England lost and they buried the football in, like, in the middle of the- <laughs> They all lined up and flushed it individually. Symbolic. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah so that's powerful. it. They all, um, they all wrote down like the mistake they made on a bit of loo roll. Yeah. And then one by one put their bit of loo roll in the toilet and then Steve Hansen flushed it I know, and it was gone. I, I actually like the idea of them writing it on a bit of tape and putting it in the bin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just taping the bin, yeah. bro. Uh, and fi- final question. Uh, after test three, what simile did the All Blacks use to describe the draw? Well, I'm only saying... Like, like well, actually... Uh, sorry, go on, JB. What are you going to say? Uh, I was going to say, like, kissing your sister because... Of yeah, that is what they said. Before. Yeah, like kissing your sister. Yeah. Which I don't get because <laughs> kissing, your, kissing your sister and drawing a match, um, like, at least you get something out of it, a drawn series... It's like, I, I, I don't understand the what? simile at it, all. It's a New Zealand phrase, Tim, so they obviously get something out of it. Yeah, there's crazy New Zealanders, eh? Oh, well. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be disgusted. <laughs> Let's face it, there's no one else to kiss up there. <laughs> yeah. They, they were, yeah. Well, yeah. Good quiz, Phil. I did terribly in it, but a good quiz. Uh, well done, so JB. JB, well done. Ah, oh, thanks, mate. 6-3 six, six, the victor. Yep. There we go. Um... That's it, isn't it? That is actually the whole podcast done. So we've got no games well, next week. We've got no games next week, but we do have other things to other things to talk about. Yeah, we do. We've got the Premiership fixtures. Uh, we've got an amazing, and I do mean amazing, write-up of the Leicester Tigers in our... What, what are we going to call it? Fan-free agency or... I can't think of a better word for it, but basically... well, we'll think of a, we'll think of a name for it. And um, uh, Ulster, we've had, we've had an, a pride Ulsterman getting in touch with uh, some thoughts as well. Yeah, so we could actually do one Pro Twelve and one Premiership team every, every week, and we might might do that midweek this week. And and confirmation, we're going to get to call it the Avicii still. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Which is, tr- which yeah. is tremendous news because changing my soundboard would be a nightmare. <laughs> Rewiring it for another DJ. Exactly. Uh, just, um, just one last thing while we're on, uh, or while we're wrapping up. Um, you mentioned before about Kieran Reed having his kids on uh, at the end of when he was picking up his hundredth cap, his hundredth cap cap. Uh, and I was watching it. I was watching it 
with friend of the pod CJ in Edinburgh again two weeks on on the bounce, um, and Claire, my wife, was kind of not really paying attention, even though it's the biggest game. Yeah. For I'm looking forward to this already. Whenever you hear the word Claire, she coined the phrase Avicii. <laughs> she did. Yeah, she's, oh, no. she's, she's a trailblazer in, rug- in rugby podcasting. Well, she was kind of uh, texting away, playing on her phone, and then looked up. The game was over, and Kieran Reid was on there with his kid, with his son, in his arms. And she said, oh, who's that? Why is there a baby on the screen? So I was, well, that is the current all-black captain and someone who will undoubtedly be the future all black captain, Kieran Reid's son. Well, if the Barretts are to go are to go by anything, not only will he be the the captain, but pro- but probably the, one of the best players of all of time. All time, yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly that. Uh, right. So I think that's pretty much it. So you can find us on. Uh, well, if you if you're a child, find us on Instagram. Where's that, Tim? <laughs> Uh, Egg Chasers Podcast, JB. If you're a nauseatingly boring middle-aged person who likes to uh, hammer out arguments in 120 characters or less... 141 characters yeah, or less. Thank, thank, thank you. Follow us on Twitter. It, or if you're just part, you know, one of the masses, you can follow us on on, uh, on Facebook. Or, like normal people, just f- download us on iTunes or on the Acast app. Is that, is that broadly right, Tim? It is uh, is broadly very right. I've, we've got some outstanding uh, for, for for the for the next pod. We've got some outstanding tour stories and stuff, which I'd love to get into. Um, but yeah, no, that that's the Lions' third test done. <sighs> and what, what a, a test! What a shame! What an empty, hollow feeling. Six weeks with no rugby. Well, let's leave you. Let's leave you with this, because now we can look forward to next season's domestic rugby and we'll be back with you later on in the week let the boys play gents let the boys play let the boys play Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.